0: This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Now great to be joined by Wharton Professor Kent Smetters, who's also faculty lead of the Penn Wharton Budget Model, and you also hear him as host of Your Money every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time here on Sirius XM 132 with replays throughout the week. Kent, great to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Same with you, and great to be back. So knowing all you know uh, about the state of the economy, if you're the biden administration you obviously have to deal with the pandemic from the but from the economic side of things what do you address first
1: yeah i mean the most important thing will be the vaccine rollout because that's going to get people back to work um the stimulus checks uh, despite all the attention they get in the media and so forth they it's really mixed evidence how much they've been actually working in terms of stimulating kind of actual economic activity um uh, the evidence is that most households are actually just saving that money, it's only about uh, maybe 15% of the households who are actually spending that money. So it hasn't had as big of a fact um, as some people think. Uh, but nonetheless, um, you know, they, they certainly are helpful to people who need that help. Uh, but the most important thing will be getting the economy back, uh, you know, into it's, its tip-top shape. And that's really going to depend on getting the vaccines uh, rolled out much, much faster. Than, uh that's happening today, which is about seven hundred thousand vaccines today uh they're, they're happening. But it's even faster than what his ambitious, you know people are saying it's ambitious, a one million per day for a hundred million, you know, vaccines in a, over a hundred days. Mm-hmm. That's actually not particularly that ambitious. We actually need about 3 million uh, vaccines per day just to get the herd immunity by the midsummer. So anything they can do to ramp that up and even be more aggressive than the 1 million per day is going to be the most effective.
0: You mentioned the unemployed and we still have, uh, you know, many millions of people yeah. that are out of work. And then, of course, there's going to be a portion of that, uh, which are jobs that are not coming back. A lot of companies, you know, trimming uh, what their operations are going to be moving forward. So this is not only just something about talking about getting X amount of people back working in the next few months. It's going to be thinking about that other X amount of millions of people that have to think about changing jobs or, or changing careers. Yeah,
1: and that the problem with the unemployment rate, you know, it's a little less than 7% today is the official rate, but that doesn't it really measure a lot of people who have been discouraged and who aren't counted as unemployed because they're not actively looking. And so, you know, that the unemployment rate, all, you know, has a very technical definition that's often not re- reflecting the real reality uh, out there. So yes, you uh, you have a lot of discouraged people who need to come uh, eventually come back and be uh, counted as unemployed. Um, that's why sometimes the unemployment rate will actually kick up a little bit as the economy starts to come back because these discouraged people are now being counted because they're actually actively looking for work. But as you mentioned, there's these sectorial changes. As well, some restaurants have gone out of business, but you know, eventually, hopefully, a lot of those will be coming back. Um, But then, you know, it's still a big question mark: how much of we're going to see in terms of people working from home versus you know commuting into a city and so forth, and does that have an impact? Uh, and you know uh, other supporting jobs inside of cities and, and so forth. My guess is over time, the cities still have value. There is a big trend toward moving to cities for greater amenities, and that uh, cities will return. Uh, but it could be a slow progress, uh, process over the next four or five years
0: and and i think you bring up a good point here is that a lot of these small businesses that have had to shut their doors it's not just like you're going to be able to see them come back in the next six months or 12 months it is going to be a process a a several year process to see a lot of these businesses that went under that are uh, you know empty buildings right now uh that become filled again
1: it will be several years so uh, at the Penworth and model, our forecast has always been about a U-shaped recovery, not the L-shaped uh, that has been, uh, uh, you know, uh, characterizing the 2008 um, Great Recession. But right. uh, a little bit faster than that, of a more of a U-shaped, but not quite V-shaped either, which is the very fast. And so we think it's um, we're a little bit more optimistic than what the CBO is projecting. We, which is they're projecting something closer to an L-shaped for this one as well, where we're, we're uh, about you know to get back GDP all the way back to what's called potential GDP, what it otherwise would have been with regular the regular unemployment rate and regular rates of inventory. We think it's about a four to five-year uh, uh, process, uh, but you're going to see you know uh, a lot of shifts, in, including. What what is the role of cities and the supporting businesses in in the cities? Uh, again, I think the secular trend uh, before all this happened was cities were uh, is, uh, continuing to grow despite a lot of uh, budget problems in those cities. Uh, yeah. They're still continuing to grow just because of the amenities they offered and I think you know that trend will eventually come back. Um, but we'll we'll see some interesting shifts. I think. Um, by nonetheless, uh, I think those small businesses will that support the larger companies, so like the restaurants and so forth. Right. Uh, that they will come back, but it's going to be about uh, a, a good a three, four, or five years.
0: Are you uh, uh, among the optimists that are saying that in the back half of 2021, we should really look to see some very good growth in terms of the, the U.S. economy that assuming that, you know, we have a, a really good rollout on the vaccines through the first few months of 2021.
1: Yes. I mean, it, it, that, that's a big assumption, though, because I don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah, again, I think even the Biden administration's goal is a little bit too short. I mean, it, was, it, it plays well in the media, 100 million over 100 days. Um, you know, that's, that's, yeah. that's really more uh, uh, media savvy than anything, and it's a pretty low goal to begin with despite what sometimes people are saying in the media. We really need to have vaccine rollouts even faster than that. Now part of the issue has been this idea of prioritization by healthcare workers, teachers, and so forth. That has created enormous uh, complexities where it really, if they simply said, hey, show us an idea. If you're in you know, the first two months, you know, if you're over age 65, you get the vaccine and then just open it up for everybody or something like that, just to make it a mass. Distribution, because uh, even right now, people have criticized the Trump administration uh, correctly that they haven't ordered some of the vaccines that they otherwise could have been ordered earlier. But the right. truth be told, a lot of vaccines are sitting on the sidelines right now. They're just not being administered. It's the yeah. supply chains that is—it's uh, just not getting done. And we need to get this stuff done. And and sometimes it's just big bang—you know—don't try to worry about too many priority lists. Just get it. Out there, first, you know, person walks in, gets a vaccine. Just not worrying too much about trying to fine tune it. Sometimes, you know, uh, just quantity is more important than than exact prioritization. And this is the case. And so, I don't think it's going to. I don't think we're going to have that back end for 2021 um, as aggressive as other people are saying because I don't think the vaccines are going to get out there fast enough unless we radically change. Uh, how we're actually uh, actually doing it, um, and especially with the new strand come out, that means the herd immunity rate is even higher, the threshold's even higher uh, with mm-hmm. the U.K. strand. So, I mean, it, I, unless we can get up to, you know, uh, a, a mid-middle summer herd immunity kind of vaccination levels, um, you know, there's going to be issues there. And also keep in mind how, inter, inter, how um, globally connected the world is right now. Yeah. So even if the US gets um up uh, to herd immunity say by midsummer, which is which is like un- unlikely to happen. Our, a lot of the countries that we're getting supply from, uh, they're probably not going to get to vaccinate their population until 2022, 2023. Greece is looking at 2024 mm-hmm. as uh, full vaccination because they're pretty low in the priority list in terms of supply chains. In terms of, you know, they don't have the deals that some other countries have with some of the makers of the vaccines. Mm-hmm. So when you have your international supply chain, also they're not being vaccinated very quickly and they're even slower than the u.s. Um, that's going to you know, create some issues about supply uh, coming into the U.S. for U.S. companies to do their job.
0: Let me let me ask you about the, then the, the plan, most likely for the Biden administration. When you think about some of the things that uh, that uh, Joe Biden has talked about, uh, he talked about taxes. He talked about regulation. Uh, we right. know that there's going to be a concern around debt. Uh, he also wants to make sure that, that you're you know trying to take care of Medicare and also start to look at Social Security. There's a lot on the right. table there for this Biden administration to try and tackle as we move along.
1: There is and there's big opportunities in all those areas, including Social Security, Medicare, uh, big financial uh, shortfalls in those programs. there's a lot of opportunities to potentially do various reforms um, that can actually work to grow the economy. It doesn't always have to work to you know contract the uh, economy. Um, so the big opportunities there, you know taxes will you know it all comes down to the uh, details of exactly how they're going to do it are they going to do it in a way? Um, you know, they have their plan. The Penn budget Badgeman went in a lot of detail about scoring that plan. We found a fairly neutral revenue or at least uh growth wise over the long term, um because of is um, uh, Pay down some of the debt and so forth uh, with that tax bill, but then there are pieces in there, like the donut hole tax for social security, that are much more uh... on the economy um, that 's a particular provision he has in there for uh, social security taxes uh, that 's not traditional, and that, that would be much more contractuary uh, on the economy but on the other hand um, there are gems in there that, you know, will be much more expansive. And sure. so uh, it all comes down to the details. When, you know, when it comes to regulation, unfortunately, regulation is one of those areas that people just, you know, they get very dogmatic about either pro or anti-regulation. It's just the wrong way to look at regulation. I mean, it all comes down to what is the regulation, <laughs> what are the details. I mean, you can be a pre free market person and still believe in some regulation that actually sure. promotes competition. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's so often regulation that is actually, you know, promoting competition. Competition, economic growth.
0: Kent, as always, great to talk with you. Thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks. Kent Smetters, Wharton professor. And by the way, for people that would like to go look at some of the work that Penn Wharton Budget Model has done uh, around the Biden platform and other issues, you can go to budgetmodel.wharton.upenn.edu. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.